Well, I'm Pastor Fred. For some of you who are new guests with us, glad you could be with us today. And uh, I've had the privilege of being at uh, Neighborhood Church uh, four years, maybe four and a half years. It's been quite the ride. Very exciting to see what uh, a, a church of people who love Jesus can do in our community. And we have done a lot. You've, you've really helped us do a lot of things. And, uh, but we always like to do more. And we like more. How many like more? You, that, you, you go to stores and they, they say things like, more of everything, you know? We, we want more. We love more. If you've ever had something you like to eat, you want more, right? If you ever find the perfect clothes that you like and it has the, the label in the back and you go, I need to find more just like that label. I want more of that. And those of you who have children after you've had a couple, you want less. less. Yeah. <laughs> we want more. Longing for more can be both a good thing and it can get us in trouble sometimes, can it? Because we all long for, for more. Um, you know, in our, in our area, people are saying they're less and less religious. In fact, going across the United States, you know, 25 to 30% of the people say they don't have any religious commitments, any religious adherence. However, they do have a longing for spiritual things. If you get at any layer to people, they do have a deep longing for more of something. They just can't tell what it is. So they've thrown out the idea of maybe being a part of a congregation or a church because they're a little nervous about us. And then they, but they, they still long for something deep in their soul. I was reading uh, the Huffington Post, uh, not that it's the expert on everything, but it talked about what people today are longing for. Um... This is, uh, people are feeling, they, they, they don't want, quote, religion, and they might not even like Christianity, but there's still a deep emptiness in many people. A lot of people, it's scary, but they're, they're running around on empty, spiritual emptiness. Did you ever, get, were you ever there before? You find yourself empty? Um, I was uh, talking to a, a gentleman before at the service, you know, sometimes we get ourselves, our souls are empty, spiritually empty, and there is absolutely no reason for it. People are empty because one of the things they say is because the relationships aren't giving us enough love and affection. They want relationships that will help pour into them. Or I don't have a close relationship. Or I broke up with a relationship. Or my, I'm bored with my relationships. So one of the things that people are longing for to fill the emptiness is relationship. The other one they say is, is their workplace. They want a, a, a place where their work is meaningful. They feel like maybe they don't have enough money. They don't have um, anything uh, that's, that, that's worthwhile for them. But the most important thing that keeps coming up is they want relationship. What are they wanting? They're wanting to feel deeply loved inside, that they're valuable and that they have enough energy and strength to live every day. What are some things that people do to fill emptiness? Maybe you've experienced this too. You have a longing for more. What do people tend to do to fill that more with? Anybody want to weigh in on this? Yes. Television, yeah, where 
which is pretty passive and more, you could get more of television. Yeah, if you, if you like NCIS, you like the last one, you want to watch the next one, yeah. I think they have them on rotation. You can watch them night and day. Um, what else do people fill their lives with for more? Yes? Friends. Friends. Okay, good. Thank you. Yes? Hobbies. Hobbies. Yeah. Social media. Nobody's obsessed with that social media, are they? Oh, stop that. Yeah. What was the other one? Shopping. Yeah. Yes? Food. In fact, any kind of addiction. If there's a craving in our soul, we can find ourselves putting stuff into our body to feed an addiction. So addictions are a one thing. Busyness. Keeping ourselves busy. If you ask people how they're doing, they'll either say fine or busy. As if uh, busyness somehow is enough, right? Just if I keep myself busy, maybe I can avoid what I'm really longing for, for more. Other thing that drives people sometimes is, is really uh, looking for approval from other people. But this article said what everyone's looking for is more of love. I thought that was interesting from a secular point of view. The, Isaiah said, why are you working so hard for things that don't satisfy your soul? The Bible speaks to that. And Solomon pursued everything that you would think of for more. And at the end, he said, it's all empty. It's all meaningless. More. The desire for more is not a bad thing. But it can drive us to do some crazy things. Today... I would propose to you that what your soul needs more than anything else is the Holy Spirit. We have been talking about the soul, and this is the last day we're going to talk about what your soul needs. I would like to propose to you today that what your soul needs is the Holy Spirit. You are rightly fitted for the Holy Spirit to be in your life. What do we hope for? What do we long for? The Apostle Paul said it simply in Romans 5. Hope will never fail to satisfy our deepest need because the Holy Spirit was given to us and has flooded our hearts with God's love. The Holy Spirit pouring out the love and the power of God is what we long for and what we need. The question is, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? You know, if you talk to people they can understand the word God or maybe even God the Father because he's the God who created all and, and a lot of people believe in God and you could talk about Jesus because we know what he did because it's recorded in the Gospels and a lot of Christians know about Jesus but who's the Holy Spirit? Well, he's that misty thing, you know, kind of floating in the background. <laughs> We're a little bit nervous about the Holy Spirit because people can get a little bit too much of that and they're getting a little concerned about that holy spooky spirit stuff. In our culture, the supernatural is either embraced through pop media or totally avoided altogether. We're a, in a culture, we're pretty nervous about spiritual things. The Bible talks, it gives us some images of the Holy Spirit. Maybe some of you can recall some of these. One is the wind. 
When you go into California, these are taken from California. There's some in, in, uh, in um, Washington State where there's huge windmills and it's just like, wow, Don Quixote all over again. These huge windmills rolling around and taking in all this wind. And the, the Holy Spirit is often likened to, a, to, to wind. And the wind is, is great because the wind can bring in cool breezes. Uh, the wind brings in rain and refreshes us, but the wind also can be pretty powerful, and we've seen it destroy some things. So the wind is not something we can totally control, but the wind is somehow the Holy Spirit is like wind. Holy Spirit is also likened to fire, and fire is what heats our homes, and fire is actually what makes our cars work. The little spark plugs. Flashing inside of there, we we can control fire, but when fire breaks out, it can be uncontrollable and, and wreak a lot of damage. The Holy Spirit is likened to to fire, also. The Holy Spirit is likened unto water. We all need water. Our bodies need water. California right now would love for some of our water. And it's, it's, the water can be refreshing. In fact, your body, what is it, 98% water. We need and love water. But when water gets out of control, we can see what happens in the news when the flooding happens. It's uncontrollable. It's needed but uncontrollable. Another one is, uh, in the scriptures is, the, is clouds. The Holy Spirit is like a cloud, the, a pillar of clouds that, that w- the, the whole, they would, f- they would uh, follow throughout their lives. And the last image that I could think of from Scripture was like a dove. You know, because it's, what is a dove? A dove descends. A dove descended on Jesus. It's the only time it's really likened into that as a dove. But it, it's, the Holy Spirit is like something that descends. They're all great images. But I have a problem with all the images. What is it? They can be impersonal. Fire, rain, and even a bird. The, the Holy Spirit's still an it. It's an object, like, like a force out there. But the Holy Spirit is personal. In fact, I would propose to you today that the Holy Spirit, until the Holy Spirit is personal, he has no effect and he's not important into your life. It has to be personal. It just can't be an idea. And even the words that I w- will use today, I'll, I might say it, referring to the Holy Spirit. It would be better just to say Holy Spirit, Right? rather than the Holy Spirit. It would be odd for me to call you the Ralph or the Cheryl or the. It's, it, we call it Holy Spirit. It's not an it. Even though I use the it word it. How, it's, we, we get fumbled up in our language when we talk about Holy Spirit. If you're interested in going a little deeper about the Spirit and how that works in the Trinity, come on Wednesday night. We're going to begin a series starting this Wednesday night and we're going to talk about the Trinity, who the Holy Spirit is. And you can discover it for yourself. Who is the Holy Spirit for me? Because until the Holy Spirit becomes personal for you, it's just a subject that we're talking about and it's not important or relevant. People really have a hard time with the Holy Spirit today. And it's not so... um, Different than Paul when he spoke in a very secular city called Ephesus. He came into a city called Ephesus and he met some people who were called believers. And they had met John the Baptist and they repented of their sins and they looked forward to the Messiah. That was their experience. But I'd like to read to you about some early believers who just didn't understand the Holy Spirit. This is found in Acts chapter 19, I think. Actually, it's 19. My mistake. It says, while Apollos was in Corinth, 
Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. Remember, these are people who had, had, had followed uh, John the Baptist, but they didn't really know, and they were looking for the Messiah. No, we haven't even heard there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you receive, he asked them. The baptism of John. Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin. There had to be a cleansing before you could make room for something new in your life. But John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then when Paul had laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Weird. Weird. Some of you have heard of congregations where they speak in tongues. Some of you know you're part of a Pentecostal or charismatic group and you've heard that. And some of you that's very strange and some of you that's very familiar. This is what the scripture said. The Holy Spirit came and it affected something. It, it changed something. They didn't know who the Holy Spirit was until the Holy Spirit became personal. It had to become personal. See, the Holy Spirit is a person, and just like a, you're a person and I'm a person, the Holy Spirit has a story. We've talked many times in here that you are formed by story. Whatever story you believe about yourself is what you become. So the Holy Spirit has a story also. And the Holy Spirit doesn't show up just like, you know, zap some kind of impersonal energy. Holy Spirit has a story. And the Holy Spirit's story goes all the way back to creation. It says in Genesis 1, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, and darkness covered the deep waters, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. So if you click that one more time, just look at that and think about the earth itself. The earth at creation, it was like the Holy Spirit was kind of brooding over the earth. He was kind of waiting, longing for life to come forth. And it was overseeing what we call the earth. Before creation happened, God spoke, we know, but the, the Holy Spirit was hovering like a bird wait, waiting for, for its little chicks. Something's going to be birthed here. The Holy Spirit was hovering, longing for something to come forth. That's the first instance in the Bible of the Holy Spirit. Still hard to get a hold of. What is that Holy Spirit? There's another couple of times I'll just pick out of Scripture that it talks about Holy Spirit. It's where the Holy Spirit showed up in a gathering, once in a tabernacle and once in a temple. The early followers of, of God would set up tents as they traveled from place to place and their tents, they would have a place for worship. And the big tent was called the tabernacle. And in it was a special place reserved for what they called the Holy of Holies and they would come to worship there. Sometimes the Holy Spirit was so intense that it was impossible for them to even stand. Exodus says this, Exodus chapter 40. Moses wasn't able to enter the tabernacle of the meeting because the cloud rested above it and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. This is the same Moses who went up to a mountain to get the commandments from God and it says that his face started radiating. He was one of the people that saw God face to face. But the presence of God was so powerful in the tabernacle that he couldn't even go 
in it. And then again, one of the great kings, Solomon, he dedicated the temple to God. And in the temple, they set up an edifice like we would call churches today. It was a more permanent building. It was beautiful. It was gorgeous. They invested millions and millions of dollars in this place of worship to God. When Solomon dedicated the temple, or the tap, yeah, the temple, he said he had finished praying, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And all the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because of the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. Have you ever experienced anything like that? Does that seem fairy tellish to you? I haven't experienced anything like that also. Have I ever seen Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. That's the problem we have. We have a hard time understanding the Holy Spirit is invisible, but he's more than a force. He's personal. The Holy Spirit is a person. And once you understand that the Holy Spirit is, is, a, is a person, then you can start to grasp that he's meant to be personal for you. Interesting, all the times that the Holy Spirit came in those early settings is that people got excited and they, they, were, they gave praise to God, wouldn't you? You come to church, you know, and you can't even get in the building because the power of the Holy Spirit is so strong and so bright. You're going, I don't know what's happening at Neighborhood Church, but whoo. <laughs> Got that Holy Spirit thing going on. You know, just not sure what to do with it. So they just began praising God for what he was doing. It's like, wow, our God is a mighty God. He's powerful. And it's as if they were just amazed at the beauty of God. If you have a hard time with some of the images, maybe think about the, that it was a beautiful thing. They were in the presence of God. And they loved to be there. One time Jesus, it says, was transformed before his disciples. And, uh, and uh, Peter said, Lord, it's good for us to be here. I mean, like, I'm grooving on this thing. You're present and it's radiant and we're in the, and a cloud came down, another symbol of the Holy Spirit, and they were in the presence of the Lord. It was, if, it was if Peter was expressing what anyone who had experienced the Holy Spirit had before. They said, let's just stay here. This is good. This is beautiful. This is awesome. I want to just enter into this beautiful presence, this relationship with Holy Spirit. I'd like to read you a quote from C.S. Lewis. It says, We don't want to merely see beauty, though. God knows even that bounty is enough. We want something else which can hardly be put into words. To be united with the beauty we see. To possess it, to possess it, to, to, into it, to receive it into ourselves, to bathe in it and to become part of it. Holy Spirit. That's just... Words lose their value even when we start to talk about the Holy Spirit because it's just an experience that we can't totally describe with, the wor with words. The Holy Spirit was there at the beginning and present at the beginning of the church. Again, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were together and there was a sound from heaven. And there's a roaring mighty windstorm. And it filled the house where they were sitting. And it looked like flames or tongues set on their uh, fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them the ability. What does that tell us? 
It tells us when Holy Spirit shows up, something happens. You can't say, I have the Holy Spirit. Really? Yeah, it's right here, private. I'm not going to talk to you about it. It doesn't do much for me, but he's there when I need him. Holy Spirit, when Holy Spirit shows up, you know. It's not manufactured. It's not an emotional experience. It's not an intellectual thing. It's not something, something you will into, into, into being. When the Holy Spirit, you know. So, you know. The Holy Spirit affects and becomes personal to each one of us. When the Holy Spirit showed up, people spoke in languages sometimes. Sometimes people were healed. People lived with a greater sense of power. But it has to become personal. You might not know the history of the, the Assembly of God or Neighborhood Church, but it's called Pentecostal. It started back in the 1900s. There was this unusual wave, let's call it that, uh, that spread around our country in the different churches, conventional churches, and the Holy Spirit began to do things in churches that leaders of those churches, pastors, didn't know what to do with. It was very troubling to them because they had never seen this before. People saw something happened when the Holy Spirit came into people's lives. But people say, well, hey, Holy Spirit's not for today. Those kind of things were back then. So it was very troubling to them. One man, he was a young man, he was starting, uh, studying for the ministry. And uh, his name was Charles Parham. And he was going to be a Methodist minister. And 19 years old, excited about ministry. And then he came down with a very serious sickness, rheumatic fever. I remember when my brother had that, you could barely touch the bed without him feeling like he was in serious pain. It's very serious disease, maybe not as much today as then. They have lots of medications. And he was in this, had this horrible disease and he prayed to God to heal him, Methodist, becoming a Methodist pastor. And God actually touched him and physically healed him. He repented. He, he thought he was rebellious. That's why he had this sickness. So he repented of that and he was healed. And he realized God's real. Holy Spirit's not just a subject. It's not just for somebody out there. Holy Spirit's real. He touched my body. And he began this quest of seeking the Holy Spirit. He showed up in Azusa Street, Los Angeles. And there was an evangelist and there was a revival. And the, and the, the presence of the Lord was palpable. It was, you could feel it when you walked in the room. And people began speaking in other languages and he began praising God and God gave him this beautiful language to speak to the Lord with. And God used him to, to win thousands and thousands of people to Jesus. Sometimes the Holy Spirit shows up like that. One of my favorite authors, Scott McKnight, is, uh, is a theologian and he teaches at North Park University in Chicago. He's very popular with a lot of younger church leaders. But he talked about an experience that he had when he was younger also. He was a young person seeking God and it was this intense time for him to figure out who he was and what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And he had a habit of kneeling before he went to bed and praying every night. He said sometimes he'd even fall asleep. Nobody you've ever here has ever done that, right? Yeah, well, he fell asleep sometimes. But anyway, he was praying one time and he sensed something in his room like a brilliant, warm light. Let me quote. I sensed in my room I was becoming incredibly heavy. 
I sensed an incredible union with God in my communication, but I also was incapable of speaking. So in this case, he was speechless. All I could do was bask in his glorious light, the presence of God's spirit, and he just stayed there, and he didn't even know how long he was praying. When I was a young person, I grew up in what was called the Charismatic Pentecostal Church, and a lot of weird stuff happened. And I was an observer because the Holy Spirit was an it, and I didn't understand Holy Spirit. It was bizarre. Some of you in this room might even feel uncomfortable with me talking about it. Go, well, that's, some, that's not my tradition. What I'm giving you today is examples of ways Holy Spirit shows up in people's life. And just because it's other than you doesn't mean it's not important. And doesn't mean that it can't happen in your life. Holy Spirit will always be just a subject and a weird thing until Holy Spirit is personal. So I was in a church and I was praying and people did weird stuff, but I was really an observer. And when we talk about the Holy Spirit, I did not get it. One time we had an evangelist come to our church and, and uh, the, the youth pastor asked if I wanted to go and be filled with the Holy Spirit. So I went and I was just trying to have the Holy Spirit in my life. Did you ever try to make a spiritual experience happen in your life? In some of our tradition, people would try to work themselves up into something emotionally. And I'm, I've talked to many of you about this, like, hey, if Holy Spirit's real, I don't have to... I don't have to do anything. I don't have to coax you. I don't have to coach you. I don't have to tell you how Holy Spirit will show up in your life. Whether you start jumping up and down or you're on your knees like this, this man and the Spirit was, made him silent. I can't tell you. And I was just an observer. And I kept trying to want more of God. I so wanted more of God. But the problem was I was trying I was working it up. Boy, I'm going to be... And, the re, and, and, and I saw other people like that too. It's like, and I go, that's not going to work for me. I came forward and I just started being alone with God, just me and Jesus. And I just started being quiet. And it was as if the Holy Spirit gave me one word, just be open. You mean I don't have to try to work myself up? No, just be open. And a peace came over me. I just relaxed. And I sensed the Holy Spirit coming in me in a fresh way that I hadn't experienced before. I can't say to you to this day that I've experienced all of the Holy Spirit. I really understand it. But I had a little taste of what it's like to be in Holy Spirit's presence. It wasn't an emotional thing because I was always just kind of an analytical guy. It was just, I didn't go whooping it up afterwards. It was just, I could sense something that I hadn't sensed before. And later on, I remember going to a great assembly of people and I'd walk into the room and I could go, I don't know what this is, but I sense something. Like this man said, he felt heavy, of heaviness of the spirit. Not a heavy like I'm down in the dumps kind of heavy, but a heaviness, a, a, a weight. As, as, as C.S. Lewis says later about the presence of the Lord, the weight of glory. It was just so palpable, so you could sense it in him in the room. I think a lot of us want more. We want more in our life. And the things we might be distracted by were some of the suggestions you might have had in your life. I find those sometimes are my default. 
I find that sometimes I want to fill my life with things that actually don't satisfy. As so many people today, they're looking for a relationship to save them, an experience to save them. They're looking for some new thing in their life that will help give them the sense that longing in their heart to, to, to satisfy them deep within. But the Holy Spirit knows just what Holy Spirit's doing. And what I encourage you is the same word that I encourage anybody when I talk about Holy Spirit. Just be open. Say, so, well, I've seen people jump up and down and fall down on the ground because of the Holy Spirit. Well, that was them, wasn't it? Does that have to be you? No. no. That's them. Don't judge them. Well, I've seen people when the Holy Spirit comes on, they get really, really quiet. And I'm a pretty noisy person. And I'm really, I don't, people that are quiet make me creepy. I say to you the same thing I say to him, just be open. How do you know? How do you know? Holy Spirit doesn't ask you to have an experience that someone else has. Holy Spirit is saying to you today, be open. I have more for you. Whether you're empty or you're saying, I'm just fine or I have no idea what you're talking about, Holy Spirit has more. The more that you and I find ourselves looking and longing for is Holy Spirit. Your soul needs the Holy Spirit. Well, how does this happen? Well, I'm going to give you just quick four things that I, I had a bookmark that I produced for some of you that um, has what, how can I keep my soul fresh, soul keeping, and there's a little acronym on there. I'm going to use that same acronym for soul. And that really, there, there's no steps. There's no instruction. There are four different ways to look at the working, how the Holy Spirit gets in my life. One, first thing is to seek. Seek the Spirit. Want it. Want the Holy Spirit. If you, can, if you don't want the Holy Spirit, stop until, and say, Lord, I, wa I want to want, but I don't want yet. You have to seek it. Jeremiah said, you will find me when you seek me with all your heart. The question I have for you is, do you want more of his presence in your life? Just a few moments ago, the Holy Spirit, I sensed, was strong in this room. Some of you felt it with me. There was an eruption of praise and worship in this room. And you sensed that. And some of you going, I love that. I want more of that. I don't know exactly what that is that I sense, but I want more of that. I encourage you to seek it. God invites you to be in his presence. Seek it. Long for it. Second is to open your heart. This is the word that worked for me. Open my heart to the Holy Spirit. Scripture has two ways our hearts can be. They can be harder. They can be hard hearts. And, and David warned of those who hardened their hearts. In the New Testament talks about hardened hearts. Hearts that are not receptive. Who are not open. And Ezekiel said he'll give you a new heart. It's as if it says, I have to retrofit you with a new heart for you to be able to handle me. And that new heart, he says, and I will give you, I will put my spirit within you and among you. Within you personally and you among you collectively. Do you desire that? Do you want more of that? Be open. Then utter a prayer. Utter a yes prayer. A yes prayer of agreement. Okay, Lord, I don't know everything about who you are, but I'm going to say a 
full, wholeheartedly, yes, I want you in my life. I'm going to utter that prayer to you. Jesus said simply, if you want more, all you have to do is ask. After he explained the Lord's Prayer and he talked to them about asking, he, Jesus said this in Luke chapter 11. So if you sinful people know how to give good, good gifts to your children, how much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? All you have to do is ask. And when you ask, ask in believing that he is giving you the Holy Spirit. Don't, don't look for something. Just receive him into your life. And last is the listen and the receive. You notice that the, the, the people that experienced the Holy Spirit, they had to have a time where they were just quiet before God. And then they received him. It's, the Holy Spirit is a gift that God gives you. It's not something you work for or work up to. It's something you have to open your heart to and receive. I'd like you to close your eyes for just a minute. Would you say a prayer in your own heart? I believe in the Holy Spirit. That's the first step to receiving more of the Spirit. Do you really believe in the Holy Spirit? That he's personal, that you can say a personal set, set yes to him. Can you say, yes, I really, really want more. A deeper joy as you live in his power. A greater peace for all the busyness and challenges of your life. A total steadiness regardless of what you face because the Holy Spirit energizes you. The Holy Spirit is here. It's not something we emotionally work ourselves up to. Holy Spirit is personal. Father God, I pray as we continue to worship that we would make Holy Spirit personal in our lives. I'm going to ask you to stand with me. I'm going to ask you as we sing these next few songs to invite the Holy Spirit that He is here. He is real. Let's sing the song about the Holy Spirit that Bill's playing right now. All I can do is encourage you. Open your arms. Open your hearts. Begin to seek him. Begin to speak and believe what he has to say. Listen and receive. Let the Holy Spirit do something fresh in you today. That, that spark of energy. The Holy Spirit is a, a power. But he's more than a power. He's a person. And he wants to be personal to you today. Let's sing this together.